All right, Banner fans, before we start this episode, the big news tonight, we are so excited. We're adding another person, another company to the Fungo Banter team, Devo Bats, the official bat of the Fungo Banter podcast, guys. I'm so excited. Those guys down there, Jordan, Chris, Devo Bats in the Tri-Cities, doing great things for the game of baseball. We are so excited for their Fungo. We're going to give it a try here. I think it's really going to up my skills. I think you guys are screwed on the fungal golf game, okay? Because I got this down. But we're so excited to bring these guys on. It's a family company. So all of you guys out there listening, no matter where you're at, check them out online. Just Google Devo Bats. Guys, if you contact them, you're not going to get some corporate corporate sales team. You're going to get either Jordan or Chris. It's a family-owned company. They're looking out for their people in the Pacific Northwest, but ready to expand throughout the whole United States. Yeah, Eric. I'm ecstatic, man. These guys are legit. Um, their bats are fabulous. They carry a lot of pop. Um, they're smooth. Uh, definitely uh, got the fill for <clears throat> one of their fungos. I mean, it, it, you can hit, you know, multiple buckets of balls, um, not feel like you even took one swing. I mean, it, these, these guys, are they do a, a very good job, job and, and, and they live by their name, being devoted, you know, and they are. They are devoted to their, their manufacturing, um, to every point to even putting the stickers on the back you know they're into the details of everything and they want to make sure that every customer is out there satisfied but definitely these guys are legit they're doing the right job uh, i'm super excited um, to have them on board for sure um, and you know what both jordan and chris are both doing down there it's been pretty f- fantastic and I, i'm just you guys i'm, I'm just honored that um, we're able to you know make this happen and, and bring them on board and and hopefully you coaches out there and players who jump on their website and check out their uh, multiple array of bats. Um, they got the uh, all different styles. They got their ash, they got their maple. I mean, you, they got it all. I mean, they even got some, your custom hand fill to your barrel size, to everything, uh, your colors, to your stickers, to everything. I mean, you ask, you shall receive. And these guys, they know what they're doing when it comes to bats for sure. Yeah, Northwest, Northwest company, man. Northwest is what we're all about, and we've had so many different Northwest people. A lot of the pros that we've had on have, have been very big supporters of Devo Bats, and having not swung one and, until just recent, you know, fired up with fired up with having a new weapon to to put to use, and you know, struggling to get balls in the gaps from time to time. Let's try out something different, you know, and support a Northwest company. And, and, and a group that, that is giving back to the area and, and doing it the best of our ability. Absolutely. Go check them out, devobats.com. They are devoted to quality, excellence, details, craftsmanship, and doing it the right way. They are devoted. Well, guys, let's start another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Hey, Banner fans, back for another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner podcast. Eric Sorensen here, Ellensburg, Washington, Big Country Studios. Guys, another dynamite episode ahead. Brian Kitamura, head coach at Whitman College there in Walla Walla. What a great episode. Talks a lot about the Whitman way. Talks a lot about just how he does things and how to get guys to buy into the culture and how culture can really get you where you need to go. Super excited for this. Stay tuned for in the middle of it. We're going to have a little pause somewhere. I don't know when and let us know the winner of the t-shirt and the, in the hat. Thank you for all everybody that's liked, tweeted, followed, retweeted. It's been a fun. 
Facebook shares and likes. Super excited. Glad that we're able to grow this game. Please share. Please share with someone that needs to hear a little bit of baseball. Maybe they just need to find an easier path in their way of baseball. Super excited. Excited for Devo Bats being on with us. Excited for Safeguard. Go check those guys out. Get on their websites. Look them up. All your needs for your baseball, either apparel or bats. Super excited for how this thing's going to go with our guys jumping on board with us. And thank you so much to those companies. Give them a call. Check them out. Well, without further ado, let's bring on Coach. Banner fans here with another guest for your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner podcast, Brian Kitamira, head coach at Whitman College and also the coach of one of the, I'm going to go out there on my limb and say one of the top fields in the state of Washington. I'm just throwing that out there, coach. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're so excited you got to take the, take some time for us today and quick right away. What's your favorite Fungo? Well, like I just told you guys, I, I end up swinging whatever's left on the rack, um, uh, anything that's light and 35 inches works for me, but I've heard that the Devo fungos are awesome. Hey, big <laughs> shout out to our new sponsor Devo right there. I like it. We'll have to get those guys in touch with you over there. So <laughs> awesome. So talk us through your progression in coaching and, and what it, you know, it means how cool is it to go back to your alma mater and lead that team? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, definitely very blessed and very honored to to be here at Whitman. And that's definitely something that, uh, you know, the longer that I'm here at Whitman, um, the more I realize what a special opportunity it is to, to be here at my alma mater. And, uh, you know, just start at the top. Um, I got into coaching right away after uh, I graduated here from Whitman. Um, I still remember it to this day. One of my teammates here at Whitman, Blaine Mercado, uh, who played at Walla Walla Community College uh, and then transferred here to Whitman, um, was a, a great pitcher and infielder for us um, from Walla Walla. Uh, he had the opportunity to coach the Walla Walla Bears 1900 team uh, the summer after we graduated. And um, ironically, that was the same summer that uh, Dave Melia became the head coach uh, at Walla Walla Community College. And so with Dave not uh, coaching that summer as well, um, Blaine needed an assistant. And that's how I got my start in coaching. And uh, from there, I was fortunate to be able to uh, become the head coach of the Bears in, in summers after that. Um, and uh, really got my start in education you know, uh, kind of similar to a lot of the other coaches who, who've been on the podcast. Um, you know, I know Coach Bailey, uh, you know, in his path getting to George Fox before that he'd been in education. And so uh, as a psychology major here at Whitman, uh, you know, feel very fortunate to have been a student athlete here. And um, during my time in college, I had uh, tutored during the summers when I wasn't playing. Um, and so that was a great experience and, and insight into education. Uh, so, um, very fortunate to have the opportunities uh, to join uh, the staff here at Whitman um, as well. You know, early on in my career, uh, right after I graduated as a volunteer assistant, and then eventually slid into uh, the full-time assistant role. Uh, just it was it was something that was a, a great match. Um, having seen K through 12 in education my first three years, uh, and then also getting to see that uh, at the college level in terms of coaching uh, really helped to to inspire me to, to continue on this path, you know, in, in terms of education and coaching and teaching. And so 
um, feel very fortunate to have had those opportunities, you know, to be an assistant here at Whitman, uh, and then uh, was was very fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to take over the program uh, in the summer of 2015. And uh, since then, uh, you know, I've really just tried to do everything that we can to make it the best experience for our players and uh, help have a positive impact in the lives of the kids that we have here at Whitman. Coach, you've done a fantastic job since taking over as the head coach there at Whitman. You know, you, you took the position in May of 2015. You've done a tremendous job of keeping that steady progression of your growth in the win column. Of course, you know, every. Everybody wants to know everybody's secrets, but, you know, we don't want to ask to get too many because, you know, you, you give all your secrets away, you know, and then you don't got nothing left. But what really has it been, man? I mean, what, what are you what are you doing to make things work? I mean, um, you know, it, you got a small community of, of, of people there, but, um, you know, I mean, you guys are just doing a tremendous job of, of getting the, the W's on the on the board. So what, what are your secrets, coach, without giving too much? Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's something I'm a firm believer that, you know, players win ball games. Uh, as coaches, we just try to put them in the best position to be successful. And that starts with recruiting for us here at Whitman, uh, recruiting the best student athletes. That was something that we hit the ground running right away uh, in terms of really looking to get the right guys here in our program uh, to play a really high level brand of baseball, uh, an action oriented style of baseball, uh, and kind of shifting um, what our program valued in terms of uh, you know, positionally, uh, what we're looking for. And so we, we made a distinct shift uh, to focus on pitching defense and speed uh, when I took over the program. And, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot that's gone into it. Uh, we're extremely thankful for all the coaches we've had on our staff, you know, all the support we've had from our community. Um, and in terms of the wins and losses, you know, that's something that uh, really starts with our culture, you know, and our guys buying into our core values, you know, embodying that on a daily basis. And, uh, I've been talking to our players throughout this week. Uh, we've got a team call tomorrow on Zoom uh, just to check in with each other. And uh, it, it, it's something that we really, uh, you know, we really want to make sure that uh, we're doing everything possible to get better every single day. You know, and that's been uh, a huge piece of, of uh, you know, the recruiting process for us is not just finding guys that are talented, uh, that are, are academically bright, uh, that will be extremely successful here at Whitman, but but guys who really want to get better, you know, and to have a true investment in their development. And so uh, starting with that, that has really helped to transform our program. Now uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of guys who love to spend tons of time in the cage. Uh, we have a lot of guys who embrace technology, which has transformed the game. Um, but really in a, in a learning sense, you know, trying to learn from each other, trying to learn from podcasts like this, just any way that they can learn. Uh, I think that just having that mentality of finding ways to get better has allowed us to, see the results get better in the win column as well. Um, and then also at the end of the day too, the, the one thing that has been a constant in our program is our guys love to compete. Uh, and so we have a lot of fun with that, uh, you know, in our training. Uh, the guys set up a lot of those competitions on their own. Uh, and even if it's just something as silly as ping pong, <laughs> uh, we, we've seen a few, you know, burrito eating races, <laughs> seriously, you know, so competition is there day in and day out. And I think that competition has helped our guys uh, make each other better. And we talk about iron sharpening iron a lot in our program and what we can do to challenge each other in a good way and a fun way on a daily basis. And our guys are really taking that to heart. Um, practices on their own, you know, with what they do uh, within their training. So um, in terms of secrets, I don't know if there's a, a, a secret <laughs> per se besides just 
you know, a firm belief in getting the, the right guys here, really good people here, really good kids here. Uh, and then, you know, challenging them to be the best that they can be in all facets on the field, off the field, in the classroom, in the community. Um, that mentality of seeing how good we can get has really taken us to where we are today. You added that there's, you're focused really a lot on hitting your pitching. Was that some type of a philosophy you adapted from somebody that you worked with in the past? Or is that just something you came to says, hey, if you order for a team like us to be successful, we've got to obtain the right pitchers on the mound and then the right guys in the box. For sure. that That's a great point. You know, one of the things that um, I took a hard look at when I took over the program was just what the teams in our conference who had sustained success, you know, what they did really well. Uh, you look at some of the runs that the, the Linfield teams coached by Scott Brocious and Scott Carnahan had. Uh, you look at the teams that Jeff Loomis had at PLU. Uh, you know, you look at the teams that Pat Bailey, you know, Marty Hunter, uh, and now Coach Koppel, right, have it at George Fox. And um, there were some distinct trends in, in terms of what they did. Uh, one of those constants was that uh, they had pitching and they had pitching depth, you know, up and down their roster. And so, that's where we started. Um, speed was another aspect that we noticed as well. Uh, and that, uh, you know, it didn't always translate to stolen bases, right? It didn't always translate to, uh, you know, your 60 time, but when you watch that team play, they moved extremely well in the field. And uh, some of the things that we value in terms of uh, baseball metrics that are more specific to the game, those teams did really consistently. Uh, hard 90s, right? Expectation, you know, what does that look like? Challenging an infield, especially up here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, we're fortunate to play on a lot of turf now, but, uh, you know, Kelly, I'm not sure if you remember when we played my first year as head coach, I think uh, it was 35 degrees and, and the rain was going horizontal, you know, it was going sideways. And in water on turf, probably the only time I've ever seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, we really, um, wanted to find a brand of baseball that would fit uh, what we could recruit best. Um, and then also that would be exciting for our guys to keep challenging themselves with competition, you know, to make sure that it fit that way. Now that's not to say that, you know, we're not going to put the ball in the gap or anything like that. Uh, but um, you know, focusing on pitching speed and defense was huge for us uh, moving forward and um, defensively too, that consistency, you know, was something that we, we really take pride in, uh, especially playing at Borleski, which is an, an awesome park. Uh, but it's all natural surface, you know, and so uh, we really challenge ourselves to to make sure that we're as consistent as we can be, uh, and hopefully that consistency can breed as much success as possible. I think the big thing you hit on there is is the things that you're recruiting right now, and we follow a pretty similar model, but mm -hmm. it's it's the things that you can't really teach. It's that you know a guy that's the willingness to go hard ninety every time when you watch him in a game, and, and a pitcher with some pitch ability. And a guy that defends and, you know, you go to some of these events and you got 10 people oohing on and over the guy that just hit the ball over the fence while you're watching the guy in the next play who just stopped, uh, you know, kept the ball in an infield with a runner at second base and you're getting fired up about that. So it, it, it does take, you know, some creativity to, to build some roster at small schools like us because we're not going to necessarily get that, you know, big five tool type ready to go guy, but but knowing that there's some things that you can teach when guys get there, you know, and, and there's other things that you can't teach. So if, if you're recruiting the things that are really hard to teach, it makes things a lot more fun when, when you do get in the gutter and start working with those guys. Absolutely. That's spot on. And um, it, it's something too, that, uh, 
you know, we're, we have to be pretty specific about, and Kelly, I know you're in a similar situation too with the academic standards, uh, you know, here at Whitman and um, similar schools. It's, uh, it's a certain type of kid that we're, we're going after and in many ways that uh, makes the evaluation process a, a little bit smoother on our end sometimes, but the, the recruiting process in terms of yielding those kids, you know, sometimes can be a little bit more challenging. So, you know, we're, we're definitely uh, fortunate that we've got great kids here and um, we've been able to, to get kids who really uh, fit our brand of baseball and, and even more so, more importantly, like you mentioned, just the mentality, right? The mentality of going on competing every single day, seeing how good we can get. You know, the hard 90 isn't, isn't something that, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I'm at a showcase, like, let me run a hard 90. Like, that, that's a firm expectation in everything that we do. So getting kids who, who believe in that and, and want to grind away at that, you know, in all facets of what they do to see how good they can get is, uh, I know I probably sound like a broken record already in this podcast, <laughs> but uh, my guys probably do too. So it's, it's, it's what we preach and there's a reason why we, we talk about it so often because, you know, standards and expectations are different than goals, you know, and, and I think it's important for uh, our guys to realize that, uh, you know, on and off the field, you know, they've, they, and they do a great job of this, and I'm proud of our guys. I love our guys for this, is that it's important to uphold those standards and expectations in order to reach your goals and to exceed your goals. And so uh, that's been a pretty fun message to talk about as well, too, um, and just a fun topic of discussion, uh, you know, with, with our guys as they uh, graduate from our program and see that in, the, in their careers as well. I know we'll get back to recruiting here soon, but, but I want to talk a little bit about last year. I think I remember being on a bus. I know your conference tournament was a little bit ahead of ours. Um, had a phenomenal run last year in 19, you know, had a, had a chance to, you know, go to a conference tournament, win a conference tournament, uh, and then get to a regional and, and just come within a run from, from moving even further. Um, so talk, talk about that year, what made that group special, um, maybe some things that you've taken away from that team last year that you want to keep trying to build to get back there in the future. Yeah, boy, there's so much that uh, was awesome about that group of guys that we had and uh, the guys that are still a part of our Whitman baseball family today, of course. And uh, it was a really special group, uh, you know, in terms of their camaraderie and the relationships they had both on and off the field. Uh, you know, maybe the most uh, complete group that I've ever coached, you know, in terms of uh, on the field talent, academic success in the classroom I was second to none with that group. Um, we're talking chemistry majors, <laughs> you know, kids who are doing internships in the summer while playing summer ball. Uh, it was phenomenal to watch, watch that senior class really lead the charge and, and help, uh, drive the bus to where we ended up, you know, at the end of the year. Um, you know, I can, I can start by saying that the, the year did not start off, uh, any, any near, near where it ended. Um, you know, we went one and three down in Arizona intentionally scheduled, a. Uh, a tough schedule uh, down in Tucson and uh, we came out of there one and three and I still remember to this day like you know after that that game that we had in the stadium um, I think it was Saturday night uh, you know we we talked about like if we want to get to an NCAA regional these are the teams we're going to face so we've got to we've got to raise our own expectations as to what we need to do on a daily basis to perform better uh, and, and push each other to be better uh, even more so than we thought we'd have to before. And so that kind of set the tone for the year. Um, and uh, there were some times where we we played extremely good baseball. There were some times where we played mediocre baseball. There were some times where we played bad baseball. 
you know, um, and the turning point really for us, you know, one of them uh, is just, we had a tough weekend at Pacific <laughs> and, and coach Billings uh, and his staff did a great job and, and the Pacific team did a great job competing, but you know, we got swept at their place. We lost two of the three games on walk-off bombs. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough five hour bus ride home. <laughs> um, but I give a lot of credit to our guys in terms of when we talk about what we even look in recruiting, the mentality, the wherewithal, the understanding to, to go pitch to pitch, inning to inning, game to game, and, and actually buying into that. You know, that was something that our guys truly believed. And so, uh, you know, I think we're a game under 500 at that point and in conference four and five heading in the rest of the year. And our guys really uh, took it upon themselves with the challenge to say, hey, we're, we're going to go game to game, try to go one and no. Uh, and that became our our mantra in some senses um, on the field and off the field. Our, our mantra really was road warriors. If there's a, a phrase that describes that group in 2019 that we had in our team that we had is road warriors. Uh, we played 40 or 49 games in the road last spring. And uh, one of the, the fun things about being here in Walla Walla is that we do have true road trips every weekend, you know, when we're on the road. And so um, one of our, uh, Seniors last season, Cole Edwards, uh, we're at a, a rest stop gas station. And um, you guys know those like uh, like armor type helmets that you see sometimes for sale that are super expensive, yeah. that are up on the top shelf. That's like, why is this even in the gas station? <laughs> um, well, uh, long story short, the team made a purchase. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Four helmet. And that helmet traveled with us everywhere, uh, including to California for the NCAA regional. And so um, there, there were definitely a lot of really good signs, even though the results weren't always going our way early in the season, as to the resiliency that, that the group had, you know, and that our team had. And that was something that was really fun. So we got to keep pushing. We got to keep seeing how good we could be. Um, and as we moved, you know, closer to uh, the end of the, the season in terms of conference, uh, we really started to hit our stride and talked about playing our best baseball at the end of the year. And so, um, you know, we we get, went on a seven-game streak, I think, at one point uh, late in the year, and um, guys stepped up, and and it was it was pretty incredible to see, uh, you know, just our guys and their mentality of, you know, next guy up, it doesn't matter when you're plugged in, what situation it is. You know, if you're pinch running in the eighth inning of game three and we're trying to win a series, like, you know, there's an expectation there. And just because you haven't played that much this year, the expectation is that you're going to do your job and you're going to, you're not just going to, you know, execute well, but we, you know, we're going to go out and succeed at the highest level. So that was, that was really fun. And that's, that's what, what made it fun when we got to the conference tournament. Um, you know, we opened up again with Pacific, you know, the first game. And so that was something that, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, playing that game in front of us I mean, the series that happened in Forest Grove a month and a half before was over. Uh, and our guys did a great job. And that that kind of, uh, you know, allowed us to really set things up for the rest of the weekend. Um, so, you know, I couldn't be more proud of that group and, and our team that we had last year and all the guys that, that were were in our program and a part of it. Um, it just really showed how hard work and perseverance can pay off. You know, if you if you really believe in uh, your ideals and your core values and, and what that what that does to help take you to the next level in terms of your mentality. So first off, before I ask my question to that, uh, you just got welcome to the, uh, the the story tells all road show of small college <laughs> bus trips. So just put that in your back pocket first off, because uh, I think that's going to be a great that could be a couple hour episode. But you know, it, it, like when we had sheets on and and he talked about 
you know, teams that don't want to build culture and want to be all, they're going to, they're cultured out. Those are the guys we want to put on our schedule. And what you just talked about there, it sounds like you guys have that culture and that's what got you through it. And is that, I mean, that's, did you have great leadership with your seniors? What was it that was so special that, because I just, I, as you're talking, I kept getting chills. Like like, being a part of that team had to have been so fun. It it was incredible. Uh, We had great leadership, you know, and, and that's just a testament and a credit to our guys and the relationships that they build. We talk about the influence that our seniors can have, you know, obviously they're leading, but the influence that they can have just in terms of being a mentor leader and a servant leader in terms of serving our community uh, mentoring the younger players in our program. And that, that shines through, um, you know, I'll tell a story here, you know, another turning point. Um, I'm a big believer, you know, that the college experience too, in terms of the team atmosphere is all about being together, which honestly has made, you know, these last few months challenging, right. Not being able to be together physically. So we've done as much digitally as we can and and virtually, but, um, we had team dinner over at my place, uh, after practice, uh, the week after Pacific, um, and I distinctly remember talking, talking to my wife because uh, dessert was ready. <laughs> and that usually goes pretty quick <laughs> with the guys. So um, I was walking downstairs and all the guys were you know, down here um, in our basement, um, you know, watching whatever game was on and uh, getting a chance to put their feet up, you know, and, and spend some time together, which is really important uh, with especially with the academic rigors and everything else that they've got going on. Uh, on campus. And so um, almost down the stairs and, and one of our senior captains, Milo Minson, you know, I hear him say, Hey guys, I just, you know, if I can take a minute uh, and he just talked about the importance of, you know, that time in the season, how, you know, spending time together and, and being together is, is really important. Uh, not just, you know, for lifelong friendships, but because in order to achieve the goals that they had set out as a team, uh, they needed to stick together, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, over the second half of the, of the conference uh, season. So things like that, that take a lot of, I think, emotional courage for a 21 year old to do, um, you know, especially uh, around some of his best friends. Um, but that's also, I think, just a really special part about our program and about the guys that we have, you know, open, honest communication. It, it's something that we really believe in and, there's going to be challenging times, challenging conversations, you know, challenging conversations with everything going on in society today, you know, with our guys as well, too. But at the end of the day, uh, firm believer that having those conversations make, makes our guys better and allows them to really develop that trust in the relationship that they have with each other so that they can know that any time in their life that those things get tough, you know, they can always knock on my door. They can always call and text. But they can also go to their teammates and, and have that discussion and, and know that there's going to be guys there to listen to them and to support them and, and help them move forward together. So, um, you know, it's, it's times like that. I mean, Eric, when you talk about leadership, absolutely. Our, our, our team leaders did a great job. Uh, and it was also something too. just each of our guys um, really had a good understanding of what it meant to be a blue. And when we talk about culture, you know, our core values are integrity, commitment, and excellence. And we talk about the ABCs of our program all the time, academics, baseball, community, and how those things should always be at the forefront of what we do. Um, you know, priorities, family, health, religion come first, academics come second, baseball comes third, a really close third piece to that. Um, so that's, those are things that we, you know, we tell our recruits, <laughs> you know, we tell our guys uh, as often as we can. And uh, it's just 
it was incredible to see our guys take just such an immense amount of pride in uh, knowing that, you know, they are Whitman baseball right now. So in terms of culture, sure, we have three words, but really it's what they do on a daily basis. And that kind of gave them ownership to say, okay, we can actually go out and do this thing, you know, and, and, and we can have the positive impact that we want to and what we do, but we can also do that on the field as well. So that mentality shift was great. And um, a few great things happened on the field too. Uh, Jake Wishart, our other senior captain, uh, you know, uh, we're up by two against PLU at home late in the game. Uh, you know, one run scores on a single to center field. He throws the guy out to, to end the eighth inning, I think it was, you know, the, holding one run lead. I mean, it's things like that, that you think about in the moment, like guys just stepping up and making plays. Well, you know, they didn't really have to step up. They've been doing it the whole year just with their mentality. So uh, that was, that was incredible to see. And, you know, just made me really proud of our guys too, because uh, at that point, you know, that when you, when you put them in a position to be successful, that they, they understand what we've been talking about, uh, you know, within our program. You know, those, those are so true, Coach. Um, you know, just like Eric was saying, it gives you the chills just to, you know, have those experiences as a coach and, and have those players just step up unexpectedly, you know, and just like you were talking about, they're at your home, you know, stepping out in front of his buddies and, and stepping out, and talking to the, you know, 20-something guys on the roster there at the, your home and saying, hey, this, gentlemen, this is what we got to do. You know, that's that's unexpected leadership, you know, and that that's what it basically – is what we want, you know, because ideally at their time, after four years of, of playing collegiately, they're, they're going to have to be community service leaders, you know, and we're, we're as coaches are teaching those, those skill sets so that they go into the community and, and they can step up, you know, and when we have like exactly like the issues that we're having in our country, you know, that they can step up and have fear and, and voice their viewpoint and, and who they are, you know, so that, that's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, our team call will be about tomorrow as well. And um, it's like I told them, I think it's a great opportunity for you to listen to each other. And I think it's also a great opportunity for you guys as players to determine how you want to have a positive impact in the lives of others, you know? Uh, so, you know, I think that's a, a great first step forward um, to try to have positive change uh, amidst all the, the, the times that we're in. What's up, Banner fans? This is Tanner Swanson from the New York Yankees. You were listening to the PNW Fungo Banter Podcast. Go Yanks. Coach, so we want to kind of move this into our our seventh inning stretch is what we call it. And so um, I want to dive in a little bit more about recruiting here a little bit with you. Um, you know, I love, honestly, I love the town of Walla Walla. You know, um, for our listeners, you know, the town of Walla Walla is in eastern, southern eastern Washington. And it's got about, I think I'm correct in this, population around 35,000. Is that huh. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? I think on a, spot on, maybe on a good day, <laughs> but you know, the thing is coach, uh, you know, people don't really realize that in that small community, you guys have three different colleges. Yeah, you got Walla Walla Community College, which you got yourself, and then you got Walla Walla University. And I know that Walla Walla University doesn't have baseball yet. Um, probably in time that they may get that, but you, I mean, really, um, you guys are written only really miles apart. You know, it doesn't take, uh, more than maybe 10 minutes to get down through Maine, I think, <laughs> you know, minus the, if you're hitting on the green light streak, you know, but, um, you know, being that you guys are so close, you know, um, in comparison with, uh, you know, part as, as campuses, how much do you face, you know, uh, a, you know, difficulty or how, how do you strategize your recruiting for, for Whitman there just being that, you know, especially with, you've got wall wall CC, you're just right down the road. They got a great program. 
They're mm -hmm. doing a tremendous job. Um, they, they always in, seem to be in the NWAC tournament at the end of the season. Um, you know, they're doing a great job of moving guys on, you know, and, and what you guys are doing there at Whitman, um, what sort of way are you handling the, the recruiting side there in Walla Walla? For sure. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack with recruiting here to Whitman uh, from an academic standard perspective, uh, from a, a residential college perspective in a small town. Uh, it, you know, we are going after a, a specific type of student athlete who really wants to be here. And I think, you know, that phrase of really wants to be here is something that we uh, we really value. You know, we want kids who want to be here <laughs> uh, first and foremost. And uh, we recognize that, you know, the town of Walla Walla um, and a small small campus of about 1,500 students and being undergrad only is not for everybody, you know. And so um, we're as targeted as we can be um, early in the process with our top recruits, uh, but also we cast a wide net at the same time in terms of uh, really making sure that uh, we have um, made connections with, with many coaches, but also with many prospective student athletes, you know, as they finish their junior year uh, and knowing where they're at academically uh, to see if they're going to be a fit for our program. Uh, and we begin to narrow our, our, our class down that way in terms of the guys that we actively recruit, given the time of the year and the positional need uh, with how our class fills. And so um, I know the academic uh, standards are, are you know different at every school in our conference uh, a lot of great schools in our region too and of course you know kelly and i have crossed over on some guys too especially from an engineering standpoint you know st martin's has a great engineering program uh you know we have a really strong 3-2 engineering program here at whitman uh and so from a recruiting standpoint um we we do the best that we can to make sure that we get the right guy here uh, and a lot of that has to do with just getting to, to build that relationship with the recruit and their family. So we have a very uh, structured process at the outset um, to, to make sure that, you know, we are able to uh, talk to kids who we actually feel like we can yield here at Whitman <laughs> uh, that are going to be a good fit, you know, for the next four years. And, and most importantly, they want Whitman to be a good fit for what they're doing for the next four years. And so I think that comes back to the education piece, you know, um, my last two years in education in, in terms of serving in public education uh, came in the College Place School District and then also at Walla Walla High School at Wahai. And uh, I actually worked for a federal grant uh, that was funded through Washington State University. And I got to see the other side of it uh, in terms of helping high school kids uh, get to college uh, through the AVID program uh, and, and other great resources and avenues like that. And so uh, having that perspective has helped me as well, too. Um, and it's also helped in these conversations. You know, if a kid says, hey, coach, I'm really interested in Whitman. And then we say, okay, hey, where else are you looking at just to go to school, you know, baseball otherwise? And every other school on their list doesn't even resemble Whitman. You know, then we'll, we'll go ahead and ask the question and say, okay, you know, how is Whitman on your list and why is Whitman on your list? You know, and, and oftentimes there's a connection um, or maybe they've been to Walla Walla. Maybe they've played in the summer ball tournament here and whatever it is, uh, there's usually a good connection. Um, but at the same time, it, it does allow us to really hone in on the kids who want to be here uh, and the, the kids who are going to be a, a good fit for our program and for the college. So, um, you know, there, there's, no, uh, there's no perfect answer, I think, in recruiting, uh, except for every year is a little bit different. Every year is a little bit unique in terms of uh, the challenges, uh, you know, maybe the depth at certain positions. But we recruit as nationally as we can from an academic perspective. So in terms of that net that we cast initially, 
I mean, that's nationwide. Um, and then usually, you know, when it actually comes down to the kids who are really, really interested and see Whitman as a great fit, and obviously they're a top recruit for us as well too. Um, they're, they're usually in region, uh, but you know, it, it really depends. We've, we've had kids from all across the nation. Um, you know, when I was an assistant here in 2014, I believe that year our roster, we had players from 11 different states spanning from New Jersey to Hawaii. So every year is a little bit different, like I said, uh, but the majority of our players come from the West region. Uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of kids from the Valley. Um, you know, we have the Williams brothers from Yakima. We've got several kids from the, the West side of the Cascades. So uh, really it's all about just the right fit. And um, most importantly, whether or not they fit the, the mold and the mentality of what we're looking for in a, in a Whitman baseball player. That's a two-part one here for you. Um... One is, is maybe what are those specific things you look at um, for an individual that, that leads you to believe that academically and that overall fit they're going to work in for you? And then maybe the timeline of, of when do you guys first start identifying players? What's that process for you guys in a recruiting standpoint from identifying to reaching out to actively recruiting to visits, all those type of things? Yeah, that's a great question, Kelly. And um you know, I think for each kid, it's a little bit different sometimes based off of, you know, when that initial contact happens, uh, if we've had contact with, or, or maybe we have a connection with uh, the player, you know, in a roundabout way. Um, you know, there's a, there's a recruiter I was talking to the other night um, and, you know, he, he texted me yesterday saying that his aunt and uncle went to Whitman, right? So, you know, it, it's things like that, that uh, only help <laughs> in the recruiting <laughs> process um, to have those connections. Uh, but, uh, you know, to, to answer your questions, um, we usually don't start our, our actual recruiting outreach uh, until right about this time of year. Um, and that's kind of for two reasons. Uh, you know, number one, um, while most of our classes fill through our early decision deadlines for, for applications, uh, which are November 15th and January 1st, uh, you know, May 1st, we're still waiting on the rest of the 2020 class in terms of anyone who applied for regular decisions. So uh, with that, you know, there, and especially this year, uh, you know, several families um, asked for, for a few more weeks to make that decision uh, with everything related to coronavirus, especially if they hadn't had a chance to step on campus, which I know was really tough for some kids. And, I, and, and you know, if any, any players out there listening, I, I feel for you because I know that's, that's challenging uh, to make a decision when you actually haven't physically been there. Um, so, uh, that's reason number one is just the timeline of, of the admission process and when we actually know what our 2020 class will look like, uh, as a collective unit. Uh, and then the second piece is that from an academic standpoint, um, while we are test optional here at Whitman, so we, we don't require the SAT or ACT, uh, as a part of the application any longer, um, our admission team does a great job of really looking at each application and applicant individually. And a huge part of that is, you know, the rigor that they're taking in the classroom. So uh, knowing that, uh, you know, most high schools uh, don't complete uh, you know, their school year until the end of May, early June, we're often waiting on those sixth semester or, you know, third trimester grades for those kids during their junior year uh, to see if they're at a place academically where they would, they would fit, you know, kind of the profile of, of student athlete that we're looking for. So uh, every recruit that we have here still has to be admitted to the college on their own academic merit. So it's, it's definitely a testament to the kids that we have in our program. You know, um, obviously we get to stick our neck out for them. 
uh, in terms of them being a recruit, but, but in terms of them being admitted here at Whitman, you know, they do that on their own, just like any other student who applies here. So those are the, the, the two pieces in terms of timeline and some of the things that we look for, uh, obviously, you know, we're looking at the academic profile, um, you know, we're looking at the rigor of the classes that we take, but then, um, we put a lot of stock into making connections with the coaches that they played for, uh, especially high school and club coaches who've been around them, right. And, and asking specific questions about, you know, whether or not this player is going to be able to, uh, not just meet the standards of our program, but, uh, exceed the standards of our program. We can talk about things like hard nineties, right? Like I'll tell you right now, like that, that is one of the things that we look at all the time. Like the, the stopwatch isn't just out, you know, just to see if you're a, a 4-1 runner down the line, like the stopwatch is to see if it's a 4-1, a 4-1, a 4-1, not a 4-1, 4-8, 4-6, 5-1, again, because you know someone else popped in the stands. So, um, and, and I think that that is just a, a, a small picture of, you know, our overall belief that consistency breeds success and we want to be as consistent as we can in evaluating players to the best of our ability. Are some of those things you, you talk about the, you know, whether it's running a hard 90 or maybe on and off the field, do you find yourself ever recruiting a guy and asking those questions about maybe why he wasn't? Is it something that a recruit can overcome in the process if if maybe he didn't show great hustle at a given time that, you know, you ask him straight up, you know, hey, wh why are you playing this way? And, and is there another level, another notch that you can potentially get out of him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we always try to keep in perspective too, is that uh, when we're going through the recruiting process with a lot of high school players, I mean, they're 17 years old, 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. And, and they're still learning what it's like, uh, you know, to, to compete on a daily basis and, and put their best forward foot forward as well too. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there've been times when we've been watching a player for a, a month or two and we've seen them at, you know, for their high school team, for their summer ball program. Uh, and then they have a, they have a bad game, right? Or, or you know, no hard 90 down the line. And, and uh, oftentimes for us, that's just a, a check-in with the coach to say, hey, you know, is is Johnny okay? Like, what's going on, right? Just like we'd, we'd have that conversation with our players, right? Like, you know, someone's super consistent in terms of what they do. And then, you know, one day it's like they're down. Like, you know, in our program, it's not like, hey, man, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with, you know, your attitude? And it's, it's like, hey, is everything, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? You know, like, you know, we care about you. Like we know that you know, there's, there's more in there and that this is not necessarily, you know, the expectation that you hold yourself to on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I think that that starts with kind of just being a people first person and trying to understand, you know, maybe, maybe why that happened. Uh, and obviously if it happens over and over and over again, I think that that's a pattern of behavior. That's, that's tough to see past sometimes. Um, but at the same time, too, uh, yeah, we try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt while also putting stock into uh, the grittiness, for lack of a better term, that players play with. You know, uh, we want guys who are going to be able to to play with that passion, play with that energy as often as possible, not be afraid to get their, their jersey dirty. Uh, and I think that that transcends, you know, those actions transcend, hopefully, um, you know, past the field, you know, in terms of how they're going to they're going to value their teammate relationships and, and stick up for their teammates as well, too. So walk us through some of the, you know, some of the attributes, maybe the measurables when you're evaluating hitters, pitchers, and defenders that are really key to you and, and the way you guys do things. 
for sure. Yeah, we, uh, um, you know, we're really, really fortunate here at Whitman um, uh, to have the the ability to to travel and, and recruit and uh, see as many high academic players as possible. Um, you know, we don't have a, a stalker spin rate <laughs> radar gun. <laughs> uh, we, we we don't carry around a rap soda machine or anything like that. <laughs> um, but uh, we, you know, we really look for um, baseball metric speed in, in terms of on the field. Um, I'll start with pitchers. Uh, it, when we're recruiting pitchers, um, velocity is a factor, of course, because I, I do believe that velocity plays at our level to an extent. Uh, but really, it, it's more about, uh, you know, is a pitcher who we expect to be able to come into our program and uh, compete for time right away, which any recruit we would have that expectation of, you know, are they able to do two or three things? Are they able to have either command, movement, or velocity? And so, uh, we start with that simple frame of reference, and, and then we move forward from there in terms of looking at arm action. Um, you know, what does it look like in, in terms of their projectability, both physically and then also with you know the shape and life and movement of their pitches. Um, so we begin to go down that path in more of a baseball-specific uh, evaluation of those players. Um, and, and our coaching staff does a great job of that. You know, Tommy, Nolan, and Pete. Uh, and Blake, you know, Blake isn't on the road uh, for us. Um, you know, they all do a great job in that that evaluation. And so, uh, from a pitching standpoint, uh, you know, we start there. Uh, from a hitter standpoint, uh, we go back to the you know the two tenants that we we really value, uh, and that's speed and defense. And so, you know, in the infield, we want we want kids who can really pick it. You know, we want kids who have both really good lateral range as well as vertical range uh, to come through the baseball have a mentality of coming to get the baseball as much as possible. Uh, and then in the outfield, uh, you know, guys who are really going to be able to uh, go get the, go get the ball for lack of a better term <laughs> uh, again, because at Borleski it's four twelve to dead center. And it's about five, three panels to the right of that. So we got a lot of ground to cover out there. Um, now hitters, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that we can look at. Um, but uh we put a lot of stock into the swing, um, you know, bat path, hand path, bat plane, you know, how does it project, you know, as a 17 year old player and what are they going to look like when they're 20, 21 after they get in the weight room, can they get in their legs more, uh, you know, in terms of what they do uh, at the plate uh, and in the box. And so those are things that we look at as well too, uh, from hitting standpoint. Um, and then, uh, to be honest, um, one of the things that we try to decipher too is like really pretty swing when you're watching a workout versus a kid who can pure like is a pure hitter, right? And again, that's where we go back to um, trying to get our eyes on as many kids as possible. Uh, video is huge, and, and Eric and Jason, you know, and Kelly too. Like you know, video is a great tool. It can also be deceiving sometimes. So we use it uh, as a as a reference to to gain more perspective and gain more information on kids as to what they look like and how they're progressing as they get older and as they get better as a player and, and play for their high school team and club team. But then, you know, then we also make calls too, right. Uh, to, if we can't, if we can't see that player, you know, to their high school coach, their club coach and say, Hey, you know, how's this kid doing? How's he progressing? What does that actually look like? Um, and so, uh, hopefully those things that we look at, you know, then translate to some of the metrics that are a little bit more tangible in terms of exit velocity, um, things like that, that, uh, you know, 
honestly are, are hard to teach um, outside of really just getting in the weight room <laughs> for a lot of kids early in their career. Well, let's, let's pivot a little bit. You talk about one acquiring the guys and then once you get them into your system, you know, that development piece, which we know is obviously the, the most important. And, and I think you and I are, are fortunate in our schools is that we're very high school driven in our recruiting. I mean, you're mm-hmm. almost primarily us pretty close to that too. So you, you have the opportunity to, to see a ton of development over a four year period for a kid, but, but stop, talk about some of those core core things that, that you look at to impress upon your teams each fall. What do you, what do you find yourself most often harping on whether good and celebrating it or, or bad? What, what do you go back to kind of the most important things for you as a, as a Whitman baseball team? That's a great, great question. Um, fall is, is really challenging <laughs> to be honest. We, you know, we have such a short amount of time with the guys. Uh, you know, we practice four times a week. It's uh, really kind of a, a, a split mentality from a coaching standpoint of trying to further evaluate uh, our, our incoming players, you know, since we hadn't, maybe haven't seen them play since the prior summer or high school season, right? Maybe not having seen them during their senior year. Um, but then also trying to help our players establish uh, the routine that's best for them. And so uh, we start with routine you know, what works with, with each guy. Um, I think it's really important from a pitching standpoint too, you know, from on-ramping standpoint. Um, and so once we have those routines laid out, you know, then we're able to, to put together a few team metrics, um, you know, really fortunate and, and thankful to have a great partnership with Driveline Baseball. Uh, Mike Rathwell, the CEO of Driveline, is actually a Whitman graduate, uh, played in our program here, uh, a great friend of mine. Uh, he's actually my student academic advisor my <laughs> first year here on campus, uh, one of the brightest guys I've ever met. Uh, so in terms of the uh, development to increase metrics uh, so that hopefully we can see, you know, better analytical data on the, on the backside of that, uh, absolutely. You know, we, we have uh, weighted bats, ax bats, you know, and, and we'll – incorporating the routine for our guys, you know, if they have certain goals, well, you know, here's something that we think would be a great way for you to accomplish that goal. Um, from a team standpoint, um, me personally, I'm a big believer that in the fall, uh, we're going to be defense heavy. And that's simply because, you know, in terms of what we, what we really pride ourselves in, uh, pitching speed and defense, defense is a huge part of, of good pitching. (laughs) And, uh, you know, defensively, too, uh, that allows us to maximize our speed uh, offensively. You know, if, if we're able to, to use a football reference here, if we're able to control the clock in terms of time of possession, right, and play really good defense behind uh, our pitchers uh, and as a, as a team, as a unit, uh, every single inning um, and allow our offense to be at the plate longer uh, than we're on the field defensively then we're going to allow our, our speed, maybe in terms of generating actual runs, uh, you know, take over a game in terms of controlling the tempo. And, and that might be a little bit different mentality sometimes than, uh, you know, traditional baseball uh, terms in terms of like controlling the tempo. Of course, the pitcher controls the tempo of the game, but uh, we also believe that base running can control the tempo of the game, you know, and can control how comfortable our, our opponents are, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the whole nine innings. So that's really important for us um, in terms of what we preach. And then 
honestly, too, we focus a lot more on defense uh, during the time that we have with our guys. Um, one, because there's a lot of communication involved in defense. So, um, you know, when our players do go on their own, um, you know, and, and work out together, right, we want to make sure that those, those key pieces are there. Um, from cuts and relays to, you know, fly ball priority and communication uh, from, you know, even just implementing simple terminology that that's consistent, you know, especially for the guys coming into the program, uh, bunt defenses, first and thirds, you know, just so that the terminology can be uh, practiced. I think that's important. Um, goes back to being an educator, right? I'm a big believer in the, have you guys seen the curve of forgetting? Um, this is, this is my psychology hat on here. Well, <laughs> Uh, Ebbinghaus did a, did a study in, in the 1800s, basically, where there's a curve and, and it shows what happens if you don't go back and review material after a certain number of days. And so to me, a lot of what we do and what we choose to cover on certain days within our practice structure is similar to that. You know, it's hard to expect uh, one of our players to retain everything and uh, be as close to perfect in their practice as possible when we haven't covered it for 31 days or on average, you're going to retain 21.1% of the information that you learned in that original lecture. And so we see it the same. Uh, so we try to touch on things as much as possible that we think, um, you know, our captains can implement during workouts that might be important for our guys to, to rep out as much as possible defensively uh, during the off season when we can't work with them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, finally, on top of that, um, and you guys know this as coaches too, when guys go work out on their own, they're going to hit. And they're going to hit and hit and hit. Uh, they're probably going to spend less time <laughs> on position defensive fundamentals. They're probably going to spend less time doing team defense, right, Where when they're all in the field together. Um, so, you know, we try to encourage our guys to maximize, uh, maximize their time with what they do uh, within their routines. But then uh, defensive heavy focus outside of, you know, obviously the, the times that we compete and go live. A defensive heavy focus in the fall to really lay that foundation um, for our captains and for our upperclassmen to be able to help mentor the younger players uh, from a baseball aspect in terms of what we do so that by the time that we reconvene in the spring everyone's on the same page uh, not just with the terminology but because it's been practiced and it's it's been ingrained um, you know on a regular basis hey banner fans we're here with the winners of our swag giveaway we have two winners today we interrupt this podcast for this special giveaway. Our winner from Twitter, who followed, shared, and retweeted, Nikki Henry. Congratulations, you won yourself a Fungo Banter t-shirt and hat. We will be getting in contact with you soon on sizes and where to send it. Our Facebook side of things, congratulations, Mark Garza. We'll be in touch, man. We'll get you your hat and your shirt here soon. Congratulations to our winners. Stay tuned for another giveaway here soon. Back to the episode. I think the hardest part, the thing that we we find sometimes as coaches is in those defensive heavy days to to get involvement and I guess uh, energy, you know, knowing that I might not get to hit in a tunnel today and see my ball flight, you know, <laughs> and, and really trying to keep them bought in. And, and I know you talked about some of the, the competition stuff, but how does that kind of work into some of that defensive stuff. I'm assuming you wait a little bit once, once you've got some stuff into play, but you know, where does, where does competition come in in a defensive heavy practice to, to keep guys really actively engaged? Yeah, that's a great question. That's, I think it's a challenge that, uh, you know, we've really um, had to work through and, and 
and have been fortunate to, to have that open and honest feedback from our guys, right? Just ask them, hey, what did you guys think about practice yesterday? You know, did you like that? Uh, did that work well with you? You know, in terms of, uh, you know, just being able to focus on, on what you're focused on in that, in that moment for that play and that pitch or that repetition, uh, but then also, you know, from a productivity standpoint. And so uh, the defensive heavy days, uh, you know, we, we try to kind of take a, a wooden model to it, a John Wooden model of, you know, breaking things up into, into segments as much as possible. Uh, and then also trying to compare that compartmentalization to what it's like, you know, for guys to have to flip their mindset, you know, based off the situation in game, you know, what happens in the first inning versus what happens in the third inning. So um, trying to structure that time-wise is, is one way that we try to map it out as best possible for our players. Um, there's no, there's no substitution for repetition, uh, you know, uh, especially for guys who need those repetitions physically. Um, you know, we are strong believers in mental repetitions as well too, but honestly, visualization is a, is a challenging um, mental repetition piece to master for, for a lot of players, especially early on in their career. So um, we try to have a blend. Uh, and when we do position work, uh, Tommy is great with our infielders. Nolan's great with our outfielders. Um, we try to incorporate as much fun competition into it as possible based off of some of those standards that we've talked about. So like in the infield, for example, right? Like, you know, we'll, Pete will be on a stopwatch. Uh, you know, if we're able to use our scoreboard uh, or have a clock out there, which hopefully we'll next year, uh, you know, hey, infielders, all right? Like ground ball is coming at you for the next five minutes, but here's the expectation, you know, four seconds or less over to first base, right? You got to come get the baseball today, right? To ingrain that mentality. Um, same thing with the outfield, you know, having competition, uh, even maybe with a point system between players uh, to just have some fun within a drill. Uh, and then also kind of taking that to the next level, um, trying to incorporate team defense into what we do uh, into like a modified live setting. So like an action scrimmage where, you know, we might have an L screen out there. We might have a coach throwing BP, uh, but you know, we'll put situations out there, different situations so that the defense can work on it. And then also offensively, we're trying to execute something at the same thing. So uh, the offense is challenging the defense, the defense is challenging the offense. There's always something on the line uh, for whichever team wins, you know, those three outs, those six outs, that inning, uh, you know, whatever we have set out that day, uh, I think that's important. Um, and that also allows for kind of the, the live ball situation. So we can progress during, during that structure, uh, you know, from the initial 15 minutes, maybe being what we call more of a closed drill set uh, and more of a controlled setting to at the end of it being more of an open drill set. Um, same thing, like from a catching standpoint, you know, catchers, you know, bless their hearts. Those guys work so hard, <laughs> you know, and, and we try to make sure that they can hit even more than they should just to, just to try to make up for all the, the hard work that they put in. Cause you know, they're catching bullpens, they're running across the field, they're doing everything throughout these defensive practices. Right. Uh, so uh, you know, th that's a great example too. Uh, just their progression where we, we try to start, uh, from square one with those guys and on days that we know that, uh, they're going to be catching bullpens, you know, and, and that's probably the open set for them in terms of their live defense for that day. You know, that might be a long live set for them. So we're going to start and, and, you know, allow them an extra 10 minutes for, uh, hip mobility stretching, you know, at the beginning, and then be able to progress from there, uh, you know, some blocking, 
some, you know, some catch and throw footwork, a lot of receiving. Uh, we try to mirror our drill sets as much as possible uh, based off of percentages of what you're actually doing in a game. And for catchers, you know, um, it, I don't know the exact breakdown off the top of my head, but, you know, most of what they do is receiving, you know. Uh, and, and so we try to make sure that uh, we do that appropriately as best we can, um, even if it is something that they they might have to do on their own, you know, given the practice structure, we try to allot that time for them so that they have that same structure as well, too. That's, you said a lot of things that it just, I'm, I even took a bunch of notes here, uh, writing stuff down, but you know, uh, and you know, if there's a high school coach listening right now and the things that, you know, I heard all this stuff from college guys and exactly what you just said. And I've taken it back to my coaches like, yeah, but we can't do this stuff for We're high school. We don't have the players for it. Guys, yeah, you can because I don't know if anybody else here can ex- – when you bring up – what are we doing today? Oh, we're doing team defense. Bundies and the shoulders. Oh, <laughs> like, gosh, dang it. And it wasn't until I started doing exactly what you said about, you know, having having competition, stopwatches, uh, making it fun and competitive throughout that. It wasn't just going through the motions. Well, we got to go here and be here. And and I just think that's so crucial for, for – I mean, especially college guys, but and the high school coach listening right now, you can completely change the atmosphere of your practice just by doing those little different things and how you do your drills and getting creative and how you're doing stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it makes it fun for the kids, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a part that, you know, I'll be honest early in my career, uh, you know, I uh, was so focused on trying to, you know, help our program, um, you know, really elevate in so many different ways, right. That, uh, you know, we were banging our head against the wall for a little while. Uh, you know, my, second third the second and third years you know we we had a chance to get to our conference tournament uh the last week and uh, of each year and, and you know we got shut out of it um and a lot of that too uh you know was was on me to be honest right like trying to inspire these guys to to have more freedom to have more fun right to take more ownership and all those guys in our, on those teams were great um but I, I think that was something that was really important and something that we've translated uh, as best we can, especially these last couple of years where you know, we talk a lot about constraint-based training in terms of speed and agility and strength training. But I think that that can have a, a, a great aspect in terms of practice too, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, being in the, the role of head coach, right, it also allows me to to give full autonomy to Tommy and Nolan and Pete and say, hey, all right, like, you know, here's a block of time today for this. Like, you know, here's the goal. Here's the objective. Uh, and, and those guys can build that out as well, too. So uh, that's the fun part, you know, from a coaching standpoint, like those guys get to get to play around with that a little bit, uh, you know, and get get feedback from the guys and see and learn what makes them take as players, um, you know, with the position groups that they work with while also fitting within the structure of what we're doing at practice. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun to see when it all comes together. Um, and yeah, Eric, you're absolutely right. I mean, the Guys love competition and they love it when it's fun. Uh, and I think that that goes directly with the mentality of iron sharpens iron. You know, you, you know that because you're competing, you're making each other better. Uh, and so uh, that's a huge part of it as well, too, uh, with what we what we do. And uh, from a conditioning standpoint, uh, you know, we try to shake it up as much as we can, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously in line with what our guys are doing with with their strength training, uh, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it, you know, any way that we can compete, any way that we can have the guys, you know, out there competing against each other, having some fun, uh, I think that brings it back to kind of the core of, you know, talk about the recruiting process again, right? Like, I don't think anyone signs up 
to play college baseball to not have fun. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to make sure that there's a, there's, there's elements of, of enjoyment and jubilation and, you know, um, you know, being able to spend that time with your teammates, uh, you know, in that competition setting too, you know, that's the fun part of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been reflective too, you know, when guys graduate and Kelly, you probably heard this too from your guys, right? It's like, sure. We miss playing games and, and we miss lacing it up and, and towing the rubber and going competing, but it's like, we miss the bus rides. Oh yeah, we miss trying to beat you. (laughs) You know, mafia. uh, Absolutely. You know, we we miss trying to even you know just do those simple things, right? Like when you're when you're finishing up hitting together, like all right, like we got to go five for five or seven for seven or ten Mm -hmm. for ten off the back net, and uh, you know whatever it is, like you know you owe me a Gatorade the next day. (laughs) 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 So that's the fun part about it too, and I think that's something that you know I'm really thankful for the guys that we've had in our program because. You know, um, they, they've really helped me grow as a coach, like having taken, taken over the program when I was just turned 27 years old. You know, that wasn't an easy task uh, either. Uh, never having been a head coach before outside of summer ball. So I uh, feel very fortunate, very blessed for that. And uh, I also think, too, that just shows the, the care that our guys have, you know, for the program and always finding ways to make themselves better, like I mentioned before, but then also trying to make sure that the program gets, gets 1% better every single day, too. Well, and you get to see a kid – when you have that type of a practice or drills, you can see a kid come out of his shell and the mm-hmm. smile on a kid's face when the drill's over and, and you say, did you, did you know you could do that after he just made this play? And he no, I'm like, you can, the ceiling is so high fella. Like, come on. And I think that's a great way to open that up. Yeah. It, it's rewarding in those senses, you know, cause uh, you really start to see the kids take things into their own hands and, and start to play the game. And that's, that's what it's all about right there. I think your point about the catchers hitting more is a pretty good solid. I wrote that's one of the notes I took down. Uh, yeah, no, I like that one too. We try to give those guys as much time as we can, and um, you know our, our guys are also so good about getting their own work in too. Um, they're so routine oriented, and you know, being high academic guys, they, they've got things planned out to a T throughout their day. So uh, we try to be as respectful of their time too. With you know, talk about that wooden practice you know, structure. Uh, you know, we'll be clear with guys as to days that might run long because we're going live versus days that like, okay, like, yes, we have things to accomplish, but you know, here's the plan. Right. So making sure that guys um, understand that uh, all those, you know, quote unquote, little things, even though there really are no little things, they all matter. Uh, Bouncing around, you know, making sure that you're picking up your teammates. Um, I like to tell our guys that, you, you know, you've done your job if we end practice early. (laughs) you've created time for yourself you know and and for your teammates uh to to reinvest in terms of being being even better than than you thought you could be on that that given day and a lot of that's communication too you talk about is uh you know guys understand that wednesday is going to be a hard day and our off days are always going to be the same and this is like their expectations and their feedback is is obviously a lot better when when you have a plan, you, you voice your plan. And and so there's no complaints. There's no opportunities for them to, you know, not know exactly what's going on by just being clear and open and honest about, you know, when we're doing things. And then the why behind it is, is a huge one right now. And we've talked about it in maybe 75% of episodes here is that (laughs) the guys really want to know the why, why is this important for me to know? Why are we doing this right now? And you don't have to tell them explicitly every time, but if you have passion and drive and, and are voicing the reasons behind 
this drill and the goals and the purposes, you get the production value so much more out of the, the individual player and the group as a whole. Yeah, that couldn't have said it better. Uh, and that's something that I've thought about this off season, having a lot of time to think, not being on the field <laughs> right now and, and listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, that you guys have put on and that the ABCA has put on, um, something that I've, I've thought about is how can we incorporate more of that classroom time at the beginning of the practice so that um, that why can be explained at the outset, you know, versus maybe having to uh, take those extra minutes in the middle of a practice to, to further explain that. And how can I get better as a coach with that communication so that uh, everyone can, can have that understanding. And then we shift the, we shift the mentality in the middle of the drill, right. From, from, one of our, you know, we got, we've got really intelligent kids here. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to Whitman, but like I say, like, I don't know if I get in here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like we've got guys who are, who are pre-med, pre-physical therapy, three, two engineering, like off the charts, you know, uh, and, and that's why I love them. Like these, these kids are brilliant. Um, but you know, that we also don't want those gears turning too much when they're in the middle of a, a five, eight, 10 minute, segment right like as to okay why exactly are we doing this now like you know it's like let's flip the mentality to executing you know and and, and challenging ourselves and pushing ourselves athletically to see how good we can get and working with our teammates and so hopefully you know my and i know that's something i've thought a lot about uh just trying to learn as much as i can and and same mentality be as good as, as i can be so that our program can be as good as it can be is just what can we do a little bit differently to adjust you know what we what we do uh so that we can provide a better uh, opportunity for communication to our players, you know, so that they can just go out there and, and, and truly play. So never perfect, of course, always trying to find ways to get better. But uh, I, I love that point because it's something I've thought about a lot, you know, this offseason as to maybe how we can change a few things on a daily basis so that uh, our players are able to, to just go out there and, and execute. You know, coach, it's no different than running a business. You know, I mean, you think about it, you have your employees and you every, you know, third Friday of the month, you got to have your safety meetings. Well, why? Well, so everybody knows how to run something. So don't, nobody gets hurt. You know, you don't damage yourself or damage the equipment that you're running. And so, you know, you're spot on when you're talking about if we can you know, institute that more into our, our team, because really, you know, after ball, you get out in the real world and you're going, I just feel like I'm just in this, you know, I mean, what we're, what you experience in the real world is a lot like the game of baseball. I mean, that's the uniqueness of the game that we play. There's really, I mean, you got, you know, basketball and football, you know, and other sports, but baseball is so similar to the things of, you know, what we face, uh, adversity, uh, big, you know, it's fatigued, uh, the challenges, uh, the, the, you know, the grind at times, you know, uh, you know, getting the reports done, you know, and those kind of things. And, and so, if we can in, institute the, you know, the why program, I, I, I call it, you know, it's you're preparing those gentlemen for more in the real world, really. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a huge part of it. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, it's even something that I've, I've kept on my uh, social media profile on Twitter, just like a firm believer as an educator that, you know, we are teachers through the game and that we're teaching through the game and, uh, it's a great opportunity to, to really make sure that, uh, you know, when we talk about kids, you know, really having an opportunity here at Whitman to, to be able to go off and do what they want to do after their four years in terms of getting their education. Well, uh, that's also an investment on our part, you know, to help make sure that they've got those skills 
uh, as much as possible when they do go run their own business someday or become a doctor because there's so many parallels and, and, and so many so many things that are so relatable that uh, it really is important. Um, and I think that comes back to the, the people first mentality we've got with our coaching staff is just to, to know that, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we, we are really uh, helping our guys become the best players they can be, but, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's uh, all in the same in terms of really uh, trying to make sure that um, we're helping these guys become the best people they can be first and foremost through what we do on the field every single day. So that's the fun in it. And, <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, why, you know, it is such a rewarding, rewarding job at times, um, you know, in, in the relationships that we build with our guys. I think the one spinoff of that too is, is having, building that trust to that players feel like they can ask you that why at any point in time, you know, if you're in the middle of a drill or middle of a hitting thing that the guy might not actually get it or understand that he's not just going to be complacent and just be a loyal soldier and move on. Yep. That he's able to step back and say, now, why would I feel the backhand that way? Or why would I want to bunt to this direction? Or why am I trying to hit behind the runner in this situation? You know, and, and having that freedom of conversation, just like the business world, Jason, like you talk about, if I'm able to go have freedom to go to my boss and ask him something, we're all going to be better for it. Then I'm just mm-hmm. here worried and I can't ask any questions. We're all working together for that truth. And, and really, we're all in it together throughout a season. Definitely. I think those questions are great, too, because uh, from the experiences that we've had, you know, when those questions do arise, uh, you know, maybe at times when in a, in a coaching sense, right, you're like, man, why is this why is this guy asking this question right now? Uh, a lot of it is just lack of clarity, like, you know, they want more clarity. And, and it's just like hitting terminology, pitching terminology, right? Like we might have used a term in describing things that they weren't extremely familiar with or maybe the you know, their high school program used that term and it was slightly different in terms of the meaning behind it. So those are things too, where um, those conversations are always welcome in our program. And we do the best to help clarify that right away, you know, with our guys immediately and to give that immediate feedback um, because we do feel like it's important for, for them to be able to refocus, uh, you know, in that moment of time to be able to focus on what they're doing. But then number two, it's all about them learning and, and we want them to be able to learn the why as quickly as possible versus, you know, wait until the next day to, to truly understand it. So um, hopefully that feedback is something that, you know, I think it's become more and more a part of the game, you know, maybe more and more a part of this generation, right? That, that immediate feedback, you know, mm-hmm. we try to be able to provide those opportunities and with those questions as well. And yeah, it, it creates a great, a, a great setting, a great environment. And I think that's something too, that definitely translates, like you said, so, Coach, we got one more question before we get out of here uh, tonight. But we want to talk a little about what your involvement with the the Walla Walla youth baseball programs, and I understand you're part of the softball programs there in Walla Walla. And I, one thing that the listeners don't realize is that Walla Walla is a very big uh, sports-minded community, and uh, you guys are, you know, you got a lot of, you know, individuals there are, are very talented. You know, of course, Drew Bledsoe come came out of Walla Walla and, and Jared Jones and a lot of big names out of that community um, that have done quite well for themselves. And so just can you tell us a little bit about how important your involvement with the Walla Walla youth baseball programs, softball programs has been, and then how well is that community, you know, community connection taking place with you being representative of uh, Whitman baseball? 
Definitely. You know, the, the Walla Walla Valley Youth Baseball and Softball Organization is actually a, a local nonprofit um, that I was asked uh, to join the board um, in 2013 and uh, had the opportunity to serve as board president for two years. Um, and then when I became the head coach, I, I just became uh, a board member at that point and, and passed off the leadership responsibilities uh, in terms of the president's role uh, to another member of the board, uh, Rick Eskel, who actually, Kelly, you, you coached his son, Adam, at St. Martin's. So, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, it was something that, uh, you know, I was asked to join the board uh, initially, and I didn't know much about it at all, except for having coached summer baseball. Uh, we're really lucky to have an endowment through the Wall Wall Valley Youth Baseball Softball Organization here in town that was set up by uh, parents. And, and what I came to find out um, through talking to uh, Jock Edwards, one of our alums, who's a class of 1966, who lives here in town, um, and having that conversation was that uh, Jock used to run the Sherwood Trust here in town. And so uh, long story short, uh, there was a group of parents, including several former Whitman baseball players, who as they describe it, used to keep money for kids and, so, you know, baseball and softball in terms of what they do throughout the summer in a shoebox uh, under, under the bed of, uh, you know, of what one of them. Uh, and, and so they paid their pennies, you know, to buy baseballs and, and, and buy equipment for the kids. Um, and I think right around the, uh, the turn of the century, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, there was an endowment that was created and, and Jock, you know, was managing the, uh, Sherwood Trust. Um, and he said, you know, to this parent group that uh, the trust would match uh, $125,000 if it was fundraised. And, and the parents fundraised the money, uh, which is a huge testament to our community and also to their hard work. And so, uh, you know, a quarter million dollar endowment was was set up to help um, offset costs, you know, for, for local youth baseball softball players ages 13 to 19, which, you know, we see especially as a need nowadays. And so, um, and got to see that firsthand and the impact of that, you know, uh, when I was coaching summer baseball and you can talk about Dave Melia and Blaine, you know, uh, who I coached with, uh, Dave's one of my great mentors. Uh, you know, when I coached the bears, our home field was wall, wall CC. So in his office, a lot as a young coach picking his brain and, and really thankful for his willingness to mentor me, uh, and be patient with me, <laughs> you know, asking, asking him questions, uh, given his experience, you know, playing all the way up to triple a, uh, and then also, you know, with that, uh, another great member of our community and Eric, uh, you know, a kid of task guy as well, Jimmy Hill. Hey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a great mentor of mine and, and coached alongside him. You know, he, he was on staff with me in my first year as head coach here at Whitman too, but just so grateful for his perspective. Uh, you know, he's coached baseball and basketball extremely high levels. You know, he was on Mark Few staff when they first started making their runs. And so uh, just to have that perspective, uh, someone who's, who's been at high levels and coaching had been a head coach, uh, was just phenomenal. And it goes back to the community piece of, you know, having guys like Dave and Jimmy around in our community uh, to also help um, really with that understanding of, of what this is all about and, and why getting involved in an organization like Walla Walla Valley Youth Baseball Softball is important, um, not just from a leadership standpoint, but, but for our community. And, and that really um, was instrumental in, in kind of uh, a lot of the opportunities that I had uh, as a young coach uh, through the Wall Wall American Legion program, uh, which is which is now since transformed into a club program, but uh, you know had the opportunity to chair the 2013 um, AA Legion State Tournament here, which was a great great eye opener. You know, as a coach, um, 
it's not just not us just all hitting the fungo <laughs> and throwing BP. Like there, there is so much that goes into, uh, you know, what all of you guys do for, for kids uh, that, uh, you know, I know as players, we, you know, back in the day, it's, it's hard to appreciate that. And so getting to see that, uh, you know, and, and truly understand that in our community was great. So being involved is something that um, I, I really enjoyed and, and been thankful to be a part of. And in uh, and, and terms of, uh, that translating to what we do here at Whitman, you know, we've tried to do as much as we can in terms of putting on camps and clinics for uh, local little leaguers and, and trying to uh, make the cost as close to zero in terms of dollars and cents as possible. Uh, really thankful for the support um, of sponsors here in town and different community members who want to, you know, make sure that it's accessible, you know, the game's accessible to, to everybody who wants to play. And, and so uh, I think that the youth baseball and softball uh, organization here in Walla Walla is a great example of that. You know, uh, that group of parents is probably 25 years ahead of their time in terms of what they did back then. And, and uh, it, it's been a huge benefit to our community, uh, especially knowing that Walla Walla, as they like to say, is uh, in the middle of everywhere, but in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> travel is expensive. <laughs> you know, it's expensive for those, for the families that, that play. Uh, it's expensive for the kids. So really thankful to, to have, uh, you know, these resources for all the, the families in our community. Um, and there's always more that we can do too. So that, that's been a huge part of it and, and definitely proud of our players as well too, uh, you know, for their involvement in the community in a lot of ways that, you know, we try to provide opportunities for them to get involved with. Absolutely. Well, coach, this has been really enjoyable. Is there, is there any last party messages you want to leave with us today and then also if there's anybody wants to reach out to you what's the best way to contact you well first of all i really appreciate you guys putting this podcast together and and this has been awesome uh you know getting to chat with you guys uh for just over an hour now and um always welcome to uh to any anyone who wants to reach out um email is probably the best uh method of communication um email is posted on our, on our Whitman athletics website. So, uh, anyone who's listening, you're welcome to email me anytime, uh, and happy to, uh, to connect with you. Um, and just a parting thought is just, um, kind of what we talked about in the beginning, you know, being thankful to, to have the opportunity to serve as the head coach here at Whitman and, um, in this role, really have an opportunity to teach, you know, young men in our community and, uh, here at Whitman and, and just try to do the best that we can to have a positive impact uh, during their four years here so that uh, they can really uh, take ownership of what they do and and go off and, and uh, be extremely successful uh, and hopefully having positive impact on the lives of others as well too. So, um, you know, it goes to the, the Jackie Robinson quote of, you know, I forget, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, you know, the impact uh, that you have, I think it goes some, some along the lines of the impact that you have um, it is, you know, really just the value that you have on someone else's life, you know, and I, I think that's, mm -hmm. that's something that we try to keep at the forefront of what we do on a daily basis. And I know that, that that's something that I think about every single day. I've got that quote in my office, uh, you know, as to, to, you know, it's definitely a privilege to be in this seat, um, but uh, to make the most of it, to have, have as much of an impact as we can. That's awesome. That's a perfect way to end this thing. We'll let you get back to your family. And like we said, thank you so much for taking the time to come on with us and, and stay safe and, and good luck when we get back to this thing. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. We'll be right back with Jason and Kelly to wrap this up in the bullpen.
All right, Banner fans, we're in the bullpen to close this out. Guys, I think Coach did a, a really good job mic dropping the end of this episode. So we'll keep it brief. What did you guys take from this? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that, that I took from him is there's just a lot of care and passion in things that he does. Um, and, and a really, really specific attention to detail. Um, he talks about some, some psychology pieces, um, a, a reason and a rhyme of one, how you recruit, you know, the guys that you want to how you practice with them based on their attributes that they have. So he's got a really succinct plan in place. And it's the reason why they'll, you know, have continued success and studying other teams in the conference, the ones that have success. Um, but the biggest thing, and, and we talked about it kind of back and forth a little bit is that communication side, you know, that coach to player relationship and, and how things have, have changed a little bit since even when we played at the youth level, um, to where there can be conversation back and forth. It's not just tell you what to do when I do it. You know, it's, it's a learning environment. It's, it's how everyone learns best is when there's open communication and everyone feels like there's a part of it. And, and so I really respect it from a standpoint of, you know, really trying to, to help teach for the game. Like Jason talked about um, all the relatable skills, how that can work uh, in life and, and, and all that stuff. So he's going to do a, a fabulous job there and, you know, just a, a fantastic human being and, and very fortunate to get a chance to meet him on the recruiting trail. Yeah, Kelly, you know, it's so true to what you're saying. I mean, I do that to the T. Um, you know, um, there's a couple of things I took away as well today. I, you know, I, I think, you know, you talk about these young men, you know, and the fact that you're building these relationships, you know, and I, I think that, um, you know, you, you got to be on that same way lane. You know, players want to know where they stand. Um, I think it's important. I, I think in any relationship, even for us guys, being with married and, and wives and you know our wives want to know where we stand on things you know so it's a communication aspect you know and that's something that we're always working on I mean I am you know I, I I probably that's one of my areas I probably lack in enough that sometimes I just assume they she should know or they should know and you know maybe the fact that taking that time and and doing more of the explaining I think will and I think too is if by doing that you know, I just see it so much in the life skill set, you know, when people understand what they're doing and, and the purpose, the, the achievement is that much greater. And so, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, what Brian has to say today, um, the psychology of things, um, that's huge, huge, you know, stopwatches, coaches, they're listening. If you get the opportunity, you know, get a pen and paper out and hopefully you're writing some notes, some of the drills they're doing, you know, the stopwatch, um, the visibility for players, especially at the high school level, is so important. Um, I know Eric can vouch for this. We talk a lot about different strategies and styles. And, and you know, just on the high school level, you know, with, with kids and our freshmen, and when they visibly see that number uh, or that, you know, maybe um, short, you know, breakdown of their swing or something, it, it just really changes with them psychologically in, in a good way. And so, you know, it, it was some good stuff. I, I had a lot of fun today for sure, guys. Absolutely. You know, I, I think a common theme and a, and a quote that we've heard a lot in the in almost all the episodes is make the big time where you're at. And I feel like he's doing a great job of that at Whitman and super, super excited. I mean, he obviously knows what his program needs, what it takes to win there. And, and that's a lot of fun to see guys that, you know, problem solvers, right? That's what their job is as a coach to get this done. And 
And I think it was awesome. And, and a guy that knows how the obviously building culture and, and that's another big theme that we've had on all these podcasts is, is culture can beat talent. And, you know, I'm sure he's got plenty of talented guys there, but his culture uh, is something that is, is going to help carry them to where they want to go. And that's awesome. And I think the, our catchers at Kittitas are going to enjoy this episode because they're going to get a few more hacks because it made me think a little more better about that. So, Well, big thank you to Safeguard. A big thank you to Devo Bats for jumping on board with the Fungo Banter Podcast. Guys, thank you again. It's, I'm, it's been a crazy week working. I really needed this hour and a half to with you guys talking baseball. So you're doing great stuff here, guys. Ditto. Come, baby. All right. Check us out Love on Facebook. Guys. Check us out on Twitter. Funk Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter at Fungo Banter PNW. Appreciate everybody that's liking and retweeting. We're going to be giving some more stuff away here soon. So keep on, on tune with that. Get on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Please rate, review, share. Let everybody know about it. Maybe someone you know hasn't heard about us yet that could really use some of the information that some of our awesome guests have had. So, guys, until next time, not sure when that's going to be, but it'll be soon this summer. Take care of one another. Stay healthy. And let's get back to baseball. <laughs>